This is How to Business and Show Business, where we talk about the business of show, the podcast that discusses ways to work smarter, not harder. If you're a performer at the beginning of your career or a student interested in going into the performing arts, this is the podcast for you. For more about the podcast, you can find our website at businessandshowbusiness.com. There you can learn more about the business of performing arts with coursework, videos with shop talk, and interviews with other professional performers. Now here's your host, Corbin. Hello, I'm your host, Corbin, and welcome back to another episode of How to Business and Show Business. Before we get started, though, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can stay caught up anytime there's a new post. Actors, thanks for joining me for another episode. I am so excited to share this week's guest. And you know what? Here's the thing. I know I say that all the time because truly I am excited for every episode and every guest that comes on this podcast. But I am extremely excited for this week's episode with this week's guest, Dr. Janelle Solaire, who is head of the music department over at University of Fairbanks in Alaska, my home state and hometown. Now, one of the reasons why we are continuing on with our education series, formerly we did this with Cameron Michael Chase. Uh, we're going to continue on with The Good Doctor, and you might be asking, Corbin, why? Well, there's three reasons. One, if you're someone who's even considering going to school. So, two, if you're someone who's considering even continuing on. And three, if you're someone who's even considering going back. This is going to appeal to all three branches here. Listen, I know it's not for everyone. And I know some people, when they're done out of school, they're like, oh, thank God, I'm ready to be over and done with this. It was just the last you've ever had of it. Here's the truth. There are advantages and disadvantages depending on your path in life. Maybe through Dr. Solaire, you might figure out if it's worth for you to continue on or if you want to go back. Or maybe you just might be like, you know what, after listening to this, I'm done. So here's part one of that conversation with the doctor. Love it. Alrighty. <clears throat> Ready when you are. I am. Okay. Who is Janelle Solaire? Oh, so. <laughs> Who is Janelle Solaire? I don't know. I feel like Janelle Solaire is uh, like stages just because I'm, I'm kind of post career right now. Mm. Um, so I guess I could, I, I'm going to think of it in stages. So when I was younger, there was like the training Solaire and then career Solaire, performance career Solaire came in. And then and then the later Solaire was, is basically the teacher slash cheerleader mm -hmm. I get in the back. So now if I go back to the first part of Janelle, um, that was the training part. So it started musically speaking. I started playing at four piano. My parents got us in piano lessons at four. At the age of four, and then I did that all through grade school. We don't have middle school in Canada, so it was grade school. Mm -hmm. Grade school, then high school. And then um, when I, I actually quit formal training lessons when I was 18, and that's when I was leaving to go to school, and I picked up the voice, um, the voice discipline along the way at age. I mean, I've always been singing in church, right? Right. Everybody does, I feel like. It starts there. <laughs> And then um, the formal training of voice lessons started after puberty because that's the that's the way to go in my humble opinion. And then let all of that, all those body things change. And then when there's some consistency physically, then 
I, I got into that. So maybe about 14 years old is when I started taking like private applied lessons. Mm -hmm. And then that went in through college. And of course there was the bachelor's master's doctorate. So that was nine years, but I didn't necessarily let the piano go. It was always there. It was a tool for my singing. Um, and I always practiced it. Um, along with it only when it was an asset to the singing but never soloistically I didn't want to do that and then um so then when we're thinking you know that that takes us into like mid mid solaire right so like <laughs> mid solaire where we get where we did the so now this is like performance solaire so with that I you know I was in school grad school undergrad grad school so four years undergrad five master's doctorate and it was in the master's and doctorate where the bulk of my performances were mm -hmm. and then after I graduated at 27 I moved up here and I was still in performance solaire mode so I mean I have been all over the country I mean whoa universe sorry that too country as well but <laughs> I mean I think to Brazil eight times Asia Europe, back and forth, back and forth. I can't even count. South Africa, eight times, eight or nine times I've been back and forth. And all for performance-related stuff, which has been really nice. Um, then I had a kid and it all slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> After she turned two and I couldn't fly her for free anymore. And then, um, then she would just get the drop-off. Because mm -hmm. it's harder when you have a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and everybody, I'm sure people make it work all over the business. I know they do and it's wonderful and I have mad respect for that, but you can't lie to me and tell me it's not different. It's a huge adjustment. Mm. So my adjustment was taking my daughter midway, dropping her off with the mom, with my mom and then going mm. and doing my thing. And then, although it was nice to do that but it's also very exhausting, especially when you're working a full-time job. Yeah. So then, yes, I've got this job at UAF, and and it comes with a lot of flexibility because they really encourage you to do all of the um, the research. That's what they call the per creative performance. Creative activity is research. Mm. And so they, they want us to do that, and they're very supportive, but it becomes very hard on making sure that the home front is stable yeah. here to go because you've got other performers who are learning from you but they can't learn from you if you're always gone yeah and so that's kind of that was that's so that's basically been my performance life you know yeah but it was pretty who i mean now i find joy in watching my like tutelage be reenacted through them yeah yeah that's where I'm at right now. But that's my, that's, my, that's a day in the life. In the life of Janelle. Well, and then it's, def, it's definitely not a dull moment. It's never been a dull moment. Um, <laughs> as she gives me this. Like, mm. <laughs> Being said, what hobbies or interests do you have outside of the business? I love taking pictures. Mm -hmm. I love photography. I have my camera back, by the way. We should do that. Side note. But when it gets warmer outside, mm. I love taking pictures because it's still part of the arts, but, um, I'm not, I'm not having to be turned on right. or I don't have to, or maybe it's just something that's completely different than music. Mm -hmm. So I love shooting pictures. I love watching photography. I love studying it. I love, um, 
uh, learning other people's work. I'm not super um, keen on the new fad of like dark art. Mm. Um, and that's what I see now. And I don't like that at all. <laughs> I mean, we live in Alaska. There's like 24 hour daylight and you want me to darken the photos? Like, it doesn't make any sense. What is that? You're not right. Like, why do people do that? I don't know. But somebody's going to listen to this and go, I do. So good for you. I'm just not there with you. But um, I just, I love, I love making people happy in that way. Mm. Or I love, um, for the most part, the photography is like working with my students because I'm not a professional, but I have a good eye. Yeah. I think I have a really good eye. And um, I use my students here uh, and we learn together. We take a lot of stuff off of Pinterest. Mm. Straight up. We do. <laughs> But just, it's really learning like the best features, how, like, what are your best features? And they're yeah. perfect to do that. So when they leave and they go and hire a, you know, a photographer, that's going to cost them at least two grand, right? You, wherever they go, it's going to be money, but I'm free and right. we can play together. So then whenever they go and get like real photography done from their real, where they pay for it, right. then I feel like at least we've cut out some of the weird um like the weird yeah awkward whatever's you know well and we'll get into that and i'm okay. glad, and i'm glad that you brought that up yeah. because i think that is a nice thing for them to when it comes time to get headshots because they're not cheap right, right? how how to know what to bring to the table so that way you can lower the cost in some way, shape, or form of like not wasting time, getting right to the meat of what you need in whatever arena, whether that be the operatic sense right, or musical right. theater or film and television. Right. So that's good. Like that, you right. know, that, that's going to go hand in hand. Right, right, right. Let's uh, let's take it back to the beginning. Okay. Uh, obviously, you are a very uh, musically gifted, artistic gifted individual. Um what were your first memories being introduced either to the arts and or entertainment? Um, when I was a pianist, for sure. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I got on stage. I was a pianist all the way. So I would take all... We used to... Man, my parents were really, really strict when it came to music. We were allowed to do something artistically, like music-wise, mm -hmm. and then a sport. Mm -hmm. So they wanted us to stay active. That was the rule. So whatever sport we did, great. And then we had to do something musically. Well, naturally, as I got older, the music stuff took over. But when it came, I was, so I was used to the performance part of the the athletics, right? Mm -hmm. Right. As you, you're a dancer, so you get that. But um, it was always piano first. We would compete in festivals. I think the teacher that I had, her name was Heidi Gerilge, and she had us in, holy moly, what? We did four four festivals a year. Four competitive wow. festivals a year. And this is when I was six years old. So I'd go up with my pretty big dress with like <laughs> big fat bows that was bigger than my whole head, right? And then we'd go and we'd, we'd compete in these competitions. And the one that sticks out the most to me was this um, Caribbean island. It was called Caribbean Island. And naturally, okay, I'm going to go there. Naturally, I was the only black person who was, mm -hmm. you know... Um, competing in the competitions, the rest were Asians, you know, mm -hmm. as it is in the classical piano world, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I mean, they can play. The regiment is just very different. However, I, 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 we had to pick one song. We all had one song that we had to play. And the one in this category was called Caribbean Island. Mm. So I was like, uh, got this in the bag. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I knew, I confidently went, I was like, excuse me. 
I'm going to go. I'm going to show you how this is done. And I did confidently. Wow. And my father was, he was in the back. He would take us to these festivals because my mom was a hot mess and she would freak out. So my dad was like, you're not allowed to come. You can't come to any of these festivals. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to take the kids because you're a heaping ball of anxiety and nobody needs that. Would it be fair to say stage mom? Oh my God, yeah. Straight up. <laughs> so my dad was like, bye, go to work. <laughs> and if you had met my dad is a one amazing man, rest his soul. But he, he was like go you're not allowed you, you you are uninvited from this project mm -hmm. and she would she maybe came to like she would convince him to let her come mm -hmm. to like maybe one of them but he, she didn't come to this one wow. and so my dad this is like my dad's thing so i remember him sitting in the back and after um and he had his hands like folded like this and after i was done confidently done by the way because like i had it <laughs> right and so i got up and i bowed and everybody was like ah! you know i think it was like 10 at the time yeah and my dad's in the back like this like just nodding his head like yeah you took that like bye all these asians can sit down like we brought our culture here yeah like everybody else i mean you just step aside like can we just get the trophy now yeah and like but that was the first and that confidence because you have to be confident when you walk on stage it doesn't matter what insecurities you have right. or oh my gosh i didn't nail this landing or i know that high note is coming up and i can't you can't let them know that, right? Right. So it's, but then you also know how to, you need to know how to turn that cockiness off when you get off the stage, yeah. right? <laughs> I didn't exercise any of those on that day. <laughs> I did not. I did not exercise any of those. Wow. Like none of those. But that was like the the most memorable one mm -hmm. that I that I loved. Just because I, it was part of my body. And then after the judges would come and they'd talk to each and every person. Mm -hmm. And then it was called the Blue Water like Blue Water Festival is what they called it. It was under the Royal Conservatory of Music. Mm. And so the judge would come up after adjudicating all of us. She would come up and she'd have her certificates in her hand of who she knew was going to win. But then she would talk to us about it. So she would go down the line and say, you know, I really love how you did. Laura, you did this, blah, blah, blah. But Janelle, there was something about that inner heart that when you played, it just made me feel like I was just lying on a beach. And I was like this, I know. <laughs> like, I'm surprised my cockiness didn't kick me in the backside. Yeah. But I think it was just kind of inbred, and I knew. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you said it, I know you mentioned it twice thus far, but what are the arts like up in Canada? Oh, that's a really good question. Without sounding too, like, snotty. Yeah. Uh, the discipline is greater. I would say that for sure. Mm. I was a lot more disciplined when I was back home than when I was when I came here. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's because I was a little bit ahead of the game, mm. right? Because, you know, when you're brought up, like, out of the womb singing and, yeah. you know, playing and all this kind of stuff, because starting at four is pretty young, yeah. you know, pianistically. Um, I was a little bit ahead of the game mm. when I went to undergrad. So maybe that's a little biased, you know? Mm. But, um... I will say this, the opportunities are not as great as they are in the U.S. of A. I will say that, but it's a hard, it was a harder discipline. Yeah. You know, the regiment. Yeah. We don't have the New York, Broadway. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got like Toronto, you've got the, but there's no designated, like you come to the United States and the minute you say musical theater, everybody goes, oh, New York. Yeah. Like on Broadway. 
There is nothing like that, so to speak, in Canada. Like, a show may come in and tour, but if you're in New York City, you're, like, forever on tour, right? Yep, always working. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. You, You already indicated that at an early age, you already had the choice between, well... You had the option of sports, but then you also had to not adjudicate. What's the word? Uh, coincide that with the arts. Yep. So, being as young as you were, who noticed you had the gift first? You or your family? I think my family did, and I think it was a little bit um, forced. What I mean by that, in a good way, a very positive way, my parents have always said, you know, you always want more for your children than what you've had mm-hmm. growing up, and so. I, I've always said this. My parents made that. They really, that's a really hard order. Like, that's a tall order to fill. Mm. So they, we didn't really have a, at four, I didn't have a choice. You know, I'm four years old. So what do you, my mom puts us in piano lessons. We're like, okay. And then she kind of just keeps the regiment going. So it just became this pattern. Yeah. And yeah, there were times where I'd get frustrated and mad and say, I hate this and I don't want to play anymore, especially when I was, when something wasn't coming easily for me, you know, so I would get really frustrated. However, um, I think it was because that pattern was like kind of just built into the structure of my childhood that, um, it was kind of, it was there. And then naturally when you're in church and you're singing. And so I think it was my parents, to be honest, my parents were just like pushy parents, not in a bad way, but they just, they wanted me to just be very good at what I did. Yeah. So if they saw that musical outlet, okay, then you're going to build on that. You don't get a choice. We never had a choice. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Who are you I talking to? I know. Culture. I don't know. Is that a culture thing? I don't know because I will say this. I hear all my students, well, you know, I tried piano for a year and then I just told my mom I don't want to do it. So we didn't end up doing it. And I went, holy mother, you had a choice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We got threatened. Yeah. <laughs> we never had a choice. Yeah. Um, it was just something you live in this house, you play the piano. Well, and I, and I'll talk about this later, but do you think it's an integrity thing? That that and what I mean by integrity thing that is instilled in us and it's taught from parent to child. Yeah. Yeah. Because I could shamefully so I'm doing the same thing to my daughter. <laughs> you know, I mean Yeah. I, mean, I really am. I'm doing the same thing to my own daughter because the way I was parented is the only way I know how to parent. Yeah. Now, yes, you pick up some things from along the way from your friends and stuff, but it's the same thing. Juliana's been playing since she was four, and the girl can play. Yeah. Oh, I see your videos. Yeah. I see your videos. Like, she can really go to town. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, and you know what? It keeps her out of my hair. Yeah. And it's a different type of brain stimuli. Right. So... Whether it be integrity, well, yeah, because there's some certain, like, I, I'm very proud of her. Like, yeah. when she plays, I'm, yes. <laughs> Don't make a mistake. Can't, we can't record that because it's going to make me look bad. You know what I mean? I'm the music mom, right? Right, right. But, um, but, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if it's a right or wrong thing. But what I do know is um, if you start young enough... Mm-hmm. I can, I can only say that for my family's sake, yeah. you know, from, but I never really, I never questioned that. It was just something we did. Mm-hmm. If I didn't like it, my parents just said, I know, get back on the piano and finish your hour. Yeah. And you know that, this your son, your parents too, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. So when Juliana throws a little tizzy fit, why well, don't, even today, I don't, I'm like, we should have done this three days ago, but it said <laughs> you were dicking around. <laughs> so like now on Sunday, you have to do a marathon session. So yeah. maybe we'll learn better next week. Yeah. Yay. Tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow's a new day. 
and she gets so mad at me. She just, I that look I get. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so that was your foundation. That was yeah. the, the, your beginning. So now as we transition into, let's say coming out of, well, actually, no, on your way to high school as you transition into college, and I would even say post-college, mm-hmm. what was the cutting your teeth like? What do you mean when you say When cutting? I say cutting your teeth, putting in your 10,000 hours. Oh, God, that was like, hell. Don't put that in the thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, it was the, uh, what was cutting teeth was the, the discipline of practice. Mm. That's huge. It's something I don't see nowadays, and it makes me feel really old. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that old, mm-hmm. you know. But I think about the discipline that I used to do. I mean, I was in a practice room like at least six hours a day. Six hours a day. Dang. I kid you not. I mean, I I mean, I mean, don't know who that was back then. It was robotic Solaire, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not kidding. If I was going from opera workshop rehearsal to you know lessons to like singing with my uh, coachings with my accompanist and mm-hmm. it was like no doubt six hours a day oh. of straight singing and it's it's the discipline mm-hmm. that was cutting edge mm-hmm. like and it was nothing but there was one time where I said to my friend Chris I think it was like it was a Thursday and he said hey like we were downstairs in the practice rooms at University of Michigan. Yeah. We're practicing. And he goes, hey, um, do you want to go get something to eat? And I said, hmm. Yeah, I do. And he says, why are you looking at me? I said, I think the last time I ate was Wednesday morning. Because, and he went, let's go eat. I'm like, yeah, let's go eat. And this was Thursday evening because you're just in this zone. Right. I mean, you know, the zone. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know it, but this was a Thursday, like afternoon evening. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't eaten. And I'm not saying that's healthy. Of course, we know that's not healthy, but what I'm trying to say is when you're in the zone of going from point A to point B and you have every second scheduled of every day, well, geez, I got to schedule in a meal, you know? Yeah. But that was, and that just right then I thought, oh, sweet baby Jesus, I got to like get on my game. Like yeah. I have to, I mean, although I'm disciplined and getting this stuff done, but you still have to fuel the body. So you have the endure, right? All right. that stuff that we already know. Right. But yeah, crazy, mm-hmm. huh? So but that was when I was young and cute. <laughs> You're still yeah. young and cute. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, so. The the ten thousand the ten thousand hours of putting in your work, of leading up to then, uh, being the overachiever and ambitious individual that you are. Yeah, and please correct little... me if I'm wrong. I know sometimes no, the I'm internet not. can no, be you're wrong. you're not. I'm a, it's cr- I'm crazy. So let me let me list off and make sure this is correct. University of Michigan, Bowling Green State, Uni Anderson, yep. Uni Uni Uni. Why was the extended education so? I mean, obviously you're a doctor, but right. why was extended education so important for you? That's a really good question. So I, after I did the bachelor's degree and then I went and I did the master's degree because I got an assistantship. So I thought, well, great, I can get two degrees and I didn't have any student loans. So after Mm. all three degrees, I walked out with zero student loans. Wait, pause. Can we talk about that real quick? Because I know this is something you and I have talked about. When it comes to your education and your financial success afterwards, can you talk about in, in how it pertains to you? Two for the price of one and walking out with no debt. Why? Oh man, it was awesome. Like I, 
That was the reason. <laughs> why not? Yeah. That's my my answer. Like, why not? Because the thing is, yeah, I was done with the undergrad. When I went for the master's degree and they offered me an assistantship, I thought, yeah, I'm going to take it. And not only do they offer you an assistantship, but you gain this teaching experience that earns you that mm-hmm. assistantship. So I was teaching and working for the university. In turn, I was working like 15 to 20 hours a week and they paid my tuition and they gave me a biweekly mm-hmm. stipend. And after that degree, I, so that was just like a no-brainer. Okay. Duh, go for it. And I wasn't done vocally. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 21 when I graduated, 22, 21, 22, I think, when I graduated undergrad. Yeah. And I went straight to the master's degree. So I was young. Like, you're, I feel like 22 is just still the beginning of your career. Right. I mean, and... I say that from looking back now, being 45 now, and then looking back, yeah, baby. You know what I mean? Like straight baby status. Yeah. So then I thought, whoa. But then I knew I was going to get more opportunity to perform and train for the master's degree for free, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yeah, Yeah, I was in. It was a win-win. And I got a degree out of it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, when I was done with the master's degree, she was done with school. Like, I thought, I like, I didn't want to do it. I was talking to my parents. They were saying, well, what are you going to do after your master's degree? And I said, take a gap year. Mm-hmm. Like, she's tired. I've been in school since kindergarten. Because <laughs> 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 I went straight through it and right. take a break. And I'm like, right. I, mayday, mayday. I'm dying here. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, well, I think you should still, like, go ahead and, and uh, you know, just apply for doctoral programs and see if you get in. Mm. And my dad was very good because I would do anything my dad would tell me to do. Mm. You know, he didn't say much, but when he said, it was like the Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I thought, oh, well, okay. But my mom and I bumped heads. Mm. Like, if she would have mentioned that, I would have like, no. Yeah. But my dad did, and he was like, you should try it. I'm like, well, I could try it, but, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, uh, really? So anyways... But I did. I I auditioned, and then, you know, I got into the University of Michigan. I was accepted, and I thought, oh, God, I can't. And can we talk about that? Because uh, Michigan is a very prestigious school in terms of the arts and musical theater. So was that your first choice? Yeah. Okay. It was. It was. There were some other um, schools that I, I auditioned for as well. But when I got that, I just blew everything else off, basically. Mm. And then I studied with George Shirley. Like, I mean, that's, you're talking to Mr. First, you know, African-American tenor to sing at the Met. Yeah. Yeah, bye. I mean, that uh, to study with an icon. Yeah. And so the main reason why I went for the doctorate was for a couple reasons. But the main thing was I still didn't feel like I was done vocally. Mm-hmm. Like vocally training. I wasn't done. I wanted more. So it was that yearning of wanting more Mm. that made the rest of me say, well, suck it up, go. And I did. And um, then I got to do more singing and then more networking. You know how it is. You go, I mean, it doesn't matter. You can be in the flipping Seattle airport and run into somebody that's whatever. And then off you go, you're good. You meet people and you work. Half of our gigs are made that way. When yeah. you think about it, like I said, this ain't the old days, not Hitsville, yeah. you know? You're not whistling or singing in the bathroom, and then somebody hears you in the next stall. Like, those days are over, honey. Yeah. Like, long gone. Yeah. So, 
that's kind of where we're at. So in that journey, because uh, you said nine years, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a long time to like devote yourself to, ed- well, honing your craft. Yeah. So not only are you a teacher in some way, but you're a right. soloist and a conductor. And a perform- where does all that fit in your life? Uh, now or back then? That's or in general, question. because the hard thing is it's really hard to come. That's another yeah. job, in my opinion. Like when I was in school, it was really, really hard to walk, like go into my voice lesson, get completely beat down. Not you know what I mean when yes. I say that, like just tore apart. You walk out of your lesson and you say to yourself, oh, my God, I can't even sing. Mm-hmm. And then you got to walk in a classroom and be the teacher. Hey, it's right. Now I know what I'm, now I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about. Right. But I just got my backside served to me. That's the hardest part. And then after that, you got to go to rehearsal and then get on stage mm. and be the diva. But like four hours ago, I just got served. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old piece of humble pie. And then, so that's hard. And I will tell you this it doesn't change. Mm. It may be a little bit adjusted here and there as you get older, mm-hmm. but man, let me tell you, there is still a lot of stuff that I'm learning on a day-to-day basis where I just say, holy moly. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to give a little bit of context because I always, I, the reason why I do the the beginning portion is so people can find out more about the guests. Like, why should I listen to her? Why should mm-hmm. I say, okay, so I just want to go through your singing resume for a little oh bit. Oh my gosh. Heck, man. Sing the soprano roles, okay? And please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know the world of opera as well. But Orif's Carmana Burana. Carmina Burana. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michaela. Michaela. Yeah, I've done that role six times. uh, Carmen. Carmen. um, Lori and Rogers and Hammerstein, Oklahoma. Oh my goodness, I need to tell you a story about that one. Lady uh, Lady M and Once Upon a Mattress. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like, so you've had a broad range. Lots of roles. Why? If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast, and be sure to share with your friends. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on next week's episode of How to Business in Show Business.